Chapters 15 and 16 of Stories from Virgil. This is a LibriVox recording. Stories from Virgil by Alfred J. Church. Chapters 15 and 16. Chapter 15. King Latinus. While they tarried at Cumae, Caeta, who was the nurse of Aeneas, died and was buried, and they called the Cape after her name. And afterwards they set sail, and passed by the island wherein dwelt Circe, who was the daughter of the sun. Pleasantly doth she sing, sitting at the loom, and burneth torches of sweet-smelling cedar, to give her light by night. And round about her dwelling you may hear the growling of lions and wild boars and bears and wolves, which are men whom the goddess with her enchantments hath changed into the shapes of beasts. But Neptune would not that the men of Troy, being fearers of the gods, should suffer such things. Therefore did he send them favourable winds, so that they passed quickly by that land. Now when it was dawn, the wind being now lulled, they came to a great wood upon the shore, and in the midst of the wood the river Tiber, yellow with much abundance of sand, flowing into the sea. And on the shore and in the wood were many birds. Thither the men of Troy brought their ships safe to land. Of this country Latinus was king, who was the son of Phonus, who was the son of Picus, who was the son of Saturn. And King Latinus had not a son, but a daughter only, Lavinia by name, who was now of an age to be married. Many chiefs of Latium, and of all Italy, desired to have her to wife, of whom the first was Turnus, a very comely youth, and of a royal house. Now the queen, the mother of the virgin, loved him, and would fain have married her daughter to him, but the gods hindered the marriage with ill omens and marvels. In the midst of the palace was a great bay-tree, which the king who builded the house had dedicated to Phoebus. On this there lighted a great swarm of bees, and hung like unto a cluster of grapes from a bough thereof. And the seers, beholding the thing, cried, there cometh a stranger who shall be husband to Lavinia, and a strange people who shall bear rule in this place. Also, when Lavinia lighted the fire upon the altar, standing by her father, a flame leapt therefrom upon her hair, and burned the ornament that was upon her head, and the crown of jewels and gold, and spread with smoke and fire over the whole palace. Whereupon the prophets spake, saying, the virgin indeed shall be famous and great, but there cometh a dreadful war upon her people. And King Latinus, fearing what these things might mean, inquired of the oracle of Phonus, his father, which is by the grove of Albunia. Now the custom is that the priest offereth sacrifice in the grove, and lieth down to sleep on the skins of the sheep that he hath slain. And it cometh to pass that he seeth visions in the night, and heareth the voice of the gods. So King Latinus, being himself a priest, made a great sacrifice, even of a hundred sheep, and lay down to sleep upon the skins thereof. And when he was laid down, straightway there came a voice from the grove, saying, Seek not, my son, to marry thy daughter to a chief of this land. There shall come a son-in-law from beyond the sea, who shall exalt our name from one end of heaven to the other. Nor did the king hide these things, but noised them abroad and the fame thereof was great in these days when Aeneas and his company came to the land of Italy. Now it so chanced that Aeneas and Iulus his son, and others of the princes, sat down to eat under a tree, and they had platters of dough whereon to eat their meat. And when they had ended, and were not satisfied, they ate their platters also, not thinking what they did. Then Iulus, making sport, said, 
What, do we eat even our tables? And Aeneas was right glad to hear this thing, and embraced the boy, and said, How know I that we are come to the land which the gods have promised to me and my people, that they would give us? For my father Anchises spake to me, saying, My son, when thou shalt come to a land that thou knowest not, and hunger shall constrain thee to eat thy tables, then know that thou hast found thee a home. Now, therefore, seeing that these things have an accomplishment, let us pour out libations to Jupiter, and make our prayers also to my father, Anchises, and make merry, and in the morning we will search out the country, and see who they be that dwell herein. Then he bound a garland of leaves about his head, and made his prayers to Mother Earth, and to the gods of the land, of whom indeed he knew not who they were, and to Father Jupiter, and to the other gods also. And when he had ended his prayer, Jupiter thundered thrice from the sky. Then it was noised abroad among the men of Troy that now indeed were they come to the land where they should build them a city. And they ate and drank and made merry. The next day those who should search out the country went forth, and when it was told Aeneas, saying that this river was the Tiber, and that the people who dwelt in the land were the Latins, valiant men of war, he chose out a hundred men who should go, with crowns of olive upon their heads, to the city of the king, having also gifts in their hands, and should pray that there might be peace between the men of Troy and his people. And the men made haste to depart, and in the meanwhile Aeneas marked out for himself a camp, and bade that they should make a rampart and a ditch. Now when they that were sent came nigh to the city, they saw the young man in the plain that was before it, riding upon horses and driving chariots. Others shot with the bow, or cast javelins, and some contended in running or boxing, and one rode on horseback and told the king, saying that certain men in strange raiment were come. Then the king commanded that they should be brought into the palace, and sat upon the throne of his fathers, and gave audience to them. Now the palace stood on the hill that was in the midst of the city, where King Picus had builded it, having woods about it very sacred. Here did the kings first receive the sceptre, that they should bear rule over the people. A senate-house also it was, and a banqueting-house, where the princes sat feasting. Very great was it, and magnificent, having a hundred pillars, and in the halls were the statues of ancient kings, carven in cedar, even Italus, and Sabinus, the vine-dresser, and Father Saturn, and Janus with the two faces. Also on the wall hung trophies of war, chariots, and battle-axes, and helmets, and javelins, and the beaks of ships, and sitting on a throne was the image of King Picus, clad in royal apparel, bearing a shield on his left arm but the king himself, his wife Circe, had changed into a bird. And King Latinus spake, saying, Tell me, men of Troy, for I know who you are, what seek ye? For what cause are ye come to the land of Italy? Have ye gone astray in your journey? Or have the storms driven you out of the way, as oft-times befalleth men that sail upon the sea? Ye are welcome. And know that we be of the race of Saturn, who do righteously, not by constraint, but of our own will. From hence also, even from Corythus, which is a city of the Eturians, went forth Dardanus, and abode in the land of Troy. Then Ilionius made answer, saying, Great king, we have not gone astray of our journey, nor have storms driven us out of the way. Of set purpose are we come to this land, 
for we were driven away by ill fortune from our country, of which things we doubt not, O king, that thou knowest the certainty. For who is there under the whole heaven who knoweth not what a storm of destruction came forth from the land of Greece and overthrew the great city of Troy, Europe and Asia setting themselves in arms against each other? And now are we come to ask for a parcel of land whereon we may dwell, and for air and water, which indeed are common to all men nor shall we do dishonour to this realm, nor be unthankful for these benefits. And be sure, O king, that it will not repent thee that thou hast received us. For indeed many nations and lands would fain have joined us to themselves. But the gods laid a command upon us that we should come to this country of Italy. For indeed, as thou sayest, Dardanus came forth from hence, and thither his children, Apollo bidding them, would return." And now, behold, Aeneas sends thee these gifts of the things which remain to us, of the riches which we had aforetime. This sceptre King Priam held when he did justice among his people. Here is a crown also, and garments which the women of Troy have worked with their hands. Then for a while King Latinus kept silence, fixing his eyes upon the ground. Deeply did he ponder in his heart upon the marriage of his daughter, and upon the oracles of Phonus his father whether indeed this stranger that was now come to his land might haply be the son-in-law of whom the prophets had spoken. At the last he spake, saying, May the gods prosper this matter between you and me. We grant, men of Troy, that which ye ask. Also we regard these your gifts. Know ye that while we reign in this land ye shall not want for riches, even unto the measure of the riches of Troy. And for your king Aeneas, if he desire, as ye say, to join himself with us, let him come and look upon us, face to face, and also take ye back this message to your king. I have a daughter, whom the gods suffer me not to marry to a husband of this land, for they say that there shall come a stranger who shall be my son-in-law, and that from his loins shall come forth those who shall raise our name even unto the stars. Then the king commanded that they should bring forth horses from the stalls. Now there stood in the stalls three hundred horses, very fleet of foot, and of these they brought forth one hundred, one for each man of Troy. And they were decked with trappings of purple, and champed on bits of gold. And for Aeneas himself he sent a chariot, and two horses breathing fire from their nostrils, which were of the breed of the horses of the sun. So the men of Troy went back riding on horses, and took to Aeneas the gifts and the message of peace. CHAPTER Sixteen. THE WRATH OF JUNO Now Juno beheld how the men of Troy were come to the land of Italy, and were now building them houses to dwell in. And a great wrath came into her heart, and she spake to herself, saying, Of a truth, this accursed race hath vanquished me, for the flames of Troy burned them not, neither hath the sea devoured them. And, lo, they are come to the place where they would be, even to the river of Tiber. Yet could Mars destroy the whole nation of the Lapithae, when he was wroth with them, and Jupiter suffered Diana to prevail against the land of Calydon. Yet had not the Lapithae, or Calydon, done so great wickedness as hath this nation of Troy. And I, who am the wife of Jupiter, am vanquished by Aeneas. Yet have I means yet remaining to me, for if the gods of heaven will not help me, then will I betake me to the powers of hell, from the kingdom of Latium, I may not keep him, and the gods decree that he shall have Lavinia to wife. Yet may I hinder the matter. Surely at a great price shall they buy this alliance. 
and thy dowry, O virgin, shall be the blood of Italy and of Troy. Then Juno descended to the lower parts of the earth, and called to Alecto from the dwellings of her sisters the Furies, Alecto who loveth war and anger and treachery, and all evil deeds. Even Pluto hateth her, ay, and her sisters likewise, so dreadful is she to behold. And Juno spake to her, saying, Now would I have thee help me, daughter of night, that I lose not my proper honour. I will not that Aeneas should have the daughter of Latinus to wife, or dwell in the land of Italy. Seeing, therefore, that thou canst set brother against brother, and bring enmity into houses and kingdoms, that they should fall, break this peace that they have made, and bring to pass some occasion of war. Then straightway Alecto betook herself to the dwelling of King Latinus. There found she Amata, the queen, in great trouble and wrath for she loved not the men of Troy, and would have Turnus for her son-in-law. And the Fury took a snake from her hair, and thrust it into the bosom of the queen. About her breast it glided unfelt, and breathed poisonous breath into her heart. And now it became a collar of twisted gold about her neck, and now a crown about her head, binding her hair. At the first, indeed, when the poison began to work, and her whole heart was not as yet filled with the fever. She spake gently, and after the want of a mother, weeping much the while over her daughter. Art thou then ready, my husband, to give thy daughter to this exile of Troy? Hast thou no pity for thyself, or thy daughter, or me? Well know I that with the first north wind he will fly and carry her away over the sea. And what of thy word? and of the faith that thou hast pledged so many times to Turnus thy kinsman. If thou must seek a son-in-law from the land of the stranger, I hold that they all be strangers who obey not thy rule, and that the gods mean not other than this. And Turnus, if thou wilt inquire more deeply into his descent, is in the lineage of Inachus, and cometh in the beginning from the land of Mycenae. But when she perceived that her husband heeded not these words, and when also the poison of the serpent had now altogether prevailed over her, she ran through the city like to one that is mad. Nay, she feigned that the frenzy of Bacchus was upon her, and fled into the woods, taking her daughter with her, to the end that she might hinder the marriage. Many other women also, when they heard this thing, went forth, leaving their homes. With bare necks and hair unbound, they went, crying aloud the while, and in their hands they held staves of pine, and were clad in the skins of wild beasts, and in the midst of them stood the queen, holding a great pine-torch in her hand, and singing the marriage-song of her daughter and Turnus, and her eyes were red as blood. Next after this the Fury, deeming that she had overthrown the counsels of Latinus, sped to the city of Turnus the Rutulian. Now the name of the city was called Ardea, and Danae builded it in old time. Ardea is it called to this day, but its glory hath departed. Now Turnus was asleep in his palace, and Alecto took upon her the shape of an old woman, even of Chalibi, who was the priestess of Juno. And she spake, saying, Turnus, wilt thou suffer all thy toil to be in vain, and thy kingdom to be given to another? King Latinus taketh from thee thy betrothed wife, and chooses a stranger that he should inherit his kingdom. Juno commanded that I should tell thee this in thy sleep. Rise, therefore, and arm thy people, consume these strangers and their ships with fire, and if King Latinus yet will not abide by his promise, let him know for himself what Turnus can do 
in the day of battle. But Turnus laughed her to scorn. That the ships of the stranger have come to the Tiber, I know full well. But tell me not these tales. Queen Jono forgetteth me not. Therefore I am not afraid. But thou, mother, art old, and wanderest from the truth, and troublest thyself for naught, and art mocked with idle fear. Thy business it is to tend the temples of the gods and their images, but as for war, leave that to men, seeing that it is their care. Greatly wroth was Electo to hear such words, and even while he spake the young man shuddered and stared with his eyes, for the fury hissed before him with a thousand snakes. And when he would have spoken more she thrust him back, and caught two snakes from her hair, and lashed him therewith, and cried aloud, Old am I! and wander from the truth, and am mocked with idle fears. Nay, but I come from the dwelling of the Furies, and war and death are in my hand." And she cast a torch at the youth, and fixed it smoking with baleful light in his heart. Then in great fear he woke, and a cold sweat burst forth upon him, and he cried aloud for his arms, and was exceedingly mad for battle. Also he bade the youth arm themselves, saying that he would thrust the men of Troy out of Italy, ay, and fight, if need were, with the Latins also. And the people hearkened unto him, so fair was he, and of noble birth, and great renown in war. Then Electo hied her to the place where Iulus was hunting the beasts of the forest. Now there was a stag, very stately, with exceeding great horns, which Tyrus and his children had brought up from a fawn, and Sylvia, a fair virgin who was his daughter, was wont to adorn it with garlands, and to comb it, and to wash it with water. By day it would wander in the woods, and at nightfall come back to the house. This stag, then, the dogs of Iulus having scented, pursued, and indeed Electo brought it to pass that this mischief shall befall. And Iulus also, following hard upon his dogs, shot an arrow at it, nor missed, for the fury would have it so, but pierced it through. Then the wounded beast fled back to the house which it knew, being covered with blood, and filled it with a lamentable voice, as one that crieth for help. And Sylvia heard it, and cried to the country folk for aid, who came forthwith, Electo urging them, for the accursed thing lay hid in the woods. And one had a charred firebrand, and another a knotted stick, each such weapon as came to his hand. And Tyrus, who chanced to be splitting a tall oak with wedges, led the way, having a great axe in his hand. Then did Electo climb upon the roof, and sounding with hellish voice through a clarion sent abroad the shepherd's signal, and all the forest trembled at the sound, and Trivia's lake and nar, with his white sulphurous wave, and the fountains of Velia, and trembling mothers pressed their children to their breasts. Then ran together all the country folk, and the youth of Troy hasted also to the help of Iulus, and now they fought not with clubs and charred stakes, but with swords and spears in battle array. Then Almo fell, the eldest of the sons of Tyrus, stricken in the throat, with many others round him, and among them the old man Galesus, even as he offered himself to be a mediator between the two. Most righteous of men was he, and richest likewise, for he had five flocks of sheep, and five herds of cattle, and tilled the earth with a hundred ploughs. But Electo, when she had accomplished these things, hasted to Juno, and spake, saying, I have done thy bidding, and now, if thou wilt, I will to the neighbouring cities, spreading among them rumours of wars. But Juno answered, It is enough. There hath been the shedding of blood. 
it were not well that the father should see thee wandering in the upper air, wherefore depart, and if aught remain to be done, I will see to it. End of chapters 15 and 16. Recording by Bill Borst.